You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green, and we are going to jump into another edition or another review, maybe along with a few other little tidbits and notes here and there, but another review of of WOW, Women of Wrestling, and this is episode 42 on their slate. They continue to keep pushing forward without taking a break. Good on them. They deserve a pat on the back for that. Um, other things may be questionable, but you know they, they deserve a pat on the back for this much. So um, let's let's get into some of this. But as I am um, speaking about this, there's a couple of things that's going on in I guess in the world of of women's wrestling. We have Trinity. Fatu preparing to take on Deanna Perrazzo for the uh, Knockouts Women's Championship. Uh, so that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, I honestly believe that this would be a bit of a proving ground for Trinity. She's gone a long time in her career uh, under the umbrella, if you will, of being a diva. Uh, no fault of her own. I don't mean a diva like if she's hard to get along with or something like that. But you know, you remember the WWE had a, had their divas division. That that was the whole thing. That's what they named everything after. Uh, and she was kind of s- slotted into that on the tail end of the divas era existing in the last few years. But she did, ex- you know, acquire some of the stain of that. She didn't walk in with a clean slate um, or at least a slate where people can say, okay, maybe this is a new era. The way that Charlotte Flair did, the way that Becky Lynch did, the way that Bailey or, or uh, uh, Sasha Banks, now Mercedes Monet, she didn't, she did not walk in to the WWE under those terms. So she has a little bit of a, ill-conceived perception of her with some fans they, they look at her and like ah you know she's she's not the wrestler that some of these other ladies are well now she's gonna get a chance to prove it i mean i, I felt that way when she went into impact wrestling to begin with i thought it was a good move for her i mean we're not we're not talking about finances because honestly she at this stage she probably does not need the money given the time that she's had behind the wwe uh, given that her husband is still working there, uh, she I would imagine without having seen her financial reports that she does not need the money in the same fashion that, you know, you or I probably would need the money. Um, now, I think it's a case of building her legacy. 
She's been in WWE for a long time. She's she's got the chance to be a Funkodactyl. She she got the chance to win championships with the SmackDown and the uh, Tag Team Championships. But she's never really been slotted as one of those girls that they look at, uh, either within the company or amongst the fans, as one of those names. Oh yeah, she's gonna give you a great match. Or I can't wait to see that. You know the that Trinity match, or I, I guess I should say Naomi. Uh, she never really had that, but, um, you know, here, I, I think this could be good for her. This could, you know, the positive here is that Perazzo can go and there's a lot of women in the, uh, the impact roster that can go and she is going to get the opportunity to really show that she has another gear in her, that she is capable of delivering something beyond just the the funny backstage segments or the vignettes or acting you know behind the scenes and you know stuff like that I I think that this is the her opportunity to show what she can do even if that opportunity comes within loss I think if she is able to provide a strong match a match that we have not seen. You know, if, if we see her do a, a strong match in a style that she that we have not seen out of her, I honestly believe that you know it, this could be a a changing moment in her career. Um, we also have news that uh, Rousey potentially will be uh, taking a, a step back away from WWE I I, I think I shouldn't say a step back the lure of going to the UFC or returning to the UFC has begun to sprout up the uh, the idea that she could leave and get back into a UFC ring uh, coincidentally just after the woman that retired her (laughs) from the ring or or at least got her to to go into wrestling seemingly has retired herself. I think Amanda Nunez is uh, is, is stepping down, I, I believe. So yeah, it would be it would be interesting to see if she's going to come back just as Nunez starts to walk away. Nunez did announce her retirement, um, but but you know I, I tend not to jump on the retirement statements all the time uh, especially in the fight world you know wrestling in particular some people get lured back you know they get lured back just in the in the idea that hey we will pay you this ridiculous amount of money to come back in here so um we'll see but anyway that's off the point the point being is that if Nunez retired and 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 Rousey is looking to make a comeback for whatever reason. I'm not going to put it all on that that Nunez is no longer there or that she announced retirement. But if she does go back, um, it's pro- that's another case of it's probably good for her because the, the Rousey experiment version one when she first got there was good. The Rousey experiment when she returned, not so much. I, I, I don't think that whatever it is that Brock has, she doesn't have that. And, and it may just be because she's kind of put her foot in her mouth a couple of times, you know, with statements that she's made about wrestling. And now some of them I agree with. Some of them I absolutely agree with. I, I agree with 
when she was saying that they need to do something with their women's uh, tag team division. We, they've gone through everybody within a month, and it's, you know they were looking to try to uh, build it up. Her and Baszler, and all of that sounds familiar. It sounds just like the same stuff that worded differently, but it sounds like the same things that Naomi and Sasha Banks were having problems with. We we got these championships, and y'all are not taking it seriously. We want to be serious. We want to be regarded as serious. We want this division to mean something, you know, and not just be a time filler and, and a joke. Um, but that's what it is. And, you know, that's probably adds to the fire of wanting to leave. We did get to see uh, uh, Baszler turn on a partner. You know, they are no longer tag team champions. And I, I have to add this. And I'll use this as a little bit of a tie-in for a while. Baszler on the microphone, telling the world, or specifically telling Ronda Rousey why she she turned on her, is everything that I say about what why I was missing. You get a lot of promo. Well, I, I can't even say a lot, but the promos that you do get, you know, they can have some fire under it. The promos that you do get in the wild, they they might be aimed towards a specific subject but very rarely do you have one that is personal and aimed towards a individual that is custom made for lack of a better term for that person most of the promos that you hear or interviews that you get on wow are pretty much plug and play it's like you know we can say something but you can slot anybody into that here, this was a this was a promo that was designed for this situation. Every word that she said, and it made people it, it made people get the wrong maybe the wrong uh, uh, response because they began to cheer for Baszler because they understood it, they felt it, especially and maybe Rhonda used the wrong terminology. It's like you know she telling her in the ring like this is the things I get basically for open the door for you and you know. Uh, opening the path for you to get into WWE and that's when Shayna kind of went off she she is like well excuse me where were you when I was setting up chairs and rings and uh you know buildings in front of 30 people where were you when I was breaking my neck trying to get the opportunity to, to try out and where were you when I was in NXT and you know learning how to do this thing back and forth from etc etc everything that she hit her with were things who, if you followed Shayna Baszler's career from in, independent on up, it all makes perfect sense. Because they they have, yes, did Ronda Rousey's name help forward Baszler? Did it help get two people who probably didn't need to be in there at all, Tate and uh, I forget the other one's name right now. It'll, it'll come to me later on. Marisha Tate and damn. Oh, I can't remember the fourth horsewoman. Anyway, it'll, like I said, it'll, it'll come to me. Um, but yeah, she did she help get those two? I mean, those three forwarded? Yes, probably because they wanted Ronda Rousey. They were going to bend over backwards to give her what she needed to make her happy. But that does not negate what, uh, what Shayna Baszler had said. Shayna had worked on the independence uh, long before Ronda had even thought about getting into a wrestling ring. Now, she was already in there. She had made an appearance in Ring of Honor as, as one of the corner women for 
Red Dragon, who we later would you know know as two members of the Undisputed Era. Um, she was wrestling alongside Mercedes Martinez and and Nicole Savoy, learning you know learning that aspect of the business with them, traveling around with them on the on the Indies. Uh, before she got into NXT, and then she got the chance to really get to mix it up with some more people, and, and had one of the longest, most defining reigns there. And it wasn't until she went to the main roster that her luster began to kind of die off. Um, those type of promo promos are fantastic promos. They're fantastic, and that, like I said, they they make you feel, even if. In this case, they probably got a different route of what they wanted. Felt they they did get the uh, you know they got they got the people on their side, but they probably got on the side of the wrong person. You know if that makes sense. Uh, Rhonda became the bad guy here. She she became the bad. She just she just became unlikable, and I think because of that, it, it was very easy. For people to side with uh, Shayna Baszler in this, and particularly when she pulled out things that were kind of cited as as fact. You didn't help me get here. I got here on my own. You know, yeah, it, it, it helped push it a little faster, but she got there on the owner. She, she did the things that Ronda Rousey did not have to do. Ronda Rousey did not have to, and nor would she probably ever work on the independent circuit. She probably will never have to wrestle in front of 50 or 60 people in a armory somewhere or a high school gym or whatever the case may be. She probably will not have to do any of these things. Uh, so, yeah, it, it makes it very easy for those that followed Baszler to side with Baszler. Um, in any case, uh, all of the other the stuff that I said right now, that, that's – kind of hearsay we do not know if if ronda rousey is going to make a return to the ufc or just mma in general i would imagine if she is going to get back in mma it will be at the ufc that is the highest level that she can that she can go so uh it would not shock me but this is these are unconfirmed things right now this is this is all talk so just take it for for what it is this is this is talk about her potentially returning uh, as it is right now, I believe Holly Holmes, the, the first person that gave a significant loss to Ronda Rousey, does not feel that she will return. But, you know, I, I don't know if she has some sort of inside track necessarily. But time will tell. We will find out as it goes on. So those are two big uh, – well, I, I consider them pretty fair stories. I don't know if they're big, but I, I was really, really uh, impressed – that Shayna Baszler got the chance to speak up and do something else. Maybe this will be the start of something new for Baszler. And I hope, I hope that WoW is taking notes on what a good promo can be and how good it can do for you. Um, you know, I really wish I could remember that that lady's name before I move on because I know if I don't do it now, I'm going to be like, oh, man, I, I completely forgot. You know, you know. Let's let's not rely on my memory, uh, and let's do this. Let's take a quick look, because I feel like I should be delivering 
facts and not uh, Jessamine Duke. That's the one. There we go. Rousey, Marina Shafir, Shayna Baszler, and Jessamine Duke. Uh, Duke and Shafir, ooh, they, they need some, some, some work. <laughs> so they need some work. Both in the ring and definitely on the microphone, they need some work. If there's a case of where the independents would work better for you, that is probably it. They 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 need to uh, be someplace where they can do and mess up and screw up without the benefit of being judged for it. And in the same way that Shafir was on the microphone yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs, you don't know me, in, you know, at an AEW ring. It was a terrible promo. If you haven't heard it, you should look it up. But uh, <laughs> but that, if there's an example or anything that would give you reason to like, you know what, they, they probably need to look into training elsewhere if they want to continue that, this is probably it. This is probably the... Uh, the reason for that. Okay, so anyway, let's uh, let's go into our episode of the week and talk about what is going on in the WOW Women of Wrestling. Now, last week, episode 41 was a pretty mundane episode. It wasn't bad if we're just looking at it at the snapshot of, you know, did they do anything Terrible. Did they have a reasonable match? I mean, and on in a vacuum, the matches were fine. It just did not push anything forward. It was it was just it was just a show. It was a show that pretty much just filled the hour. Um, episode forty two starts the way that they always start. There was a recap of what went on the last the, in the previous week's main event. We got a, a a recap of the mother truckers defeating Samantha Smart. Army, we'll call them that, and they end up saying, "Oh yeah, we don't want to deal with them anymore." Blah blah blah. They move on. So then we have the segment transitioning over into what we're going to see this week, this episode. And one of the things that they advertised is Tiki Chamaro getting ready to take on Chainsaw, um, and that was going to be the first match of the show. Now keep in mind, we it's been nearly two months. Since we've seen Cheeky tomorrow at all, we haven't seen any matches from her. We haven't seen any recap matches from her. We haven't heard any promos. We haven't seen any vignettes or anything backstage or anything else. She has disappeared. And then she just suddenly reappeared here without rhyme, reason, or explanation. Uh, During this segment, they always talk – Went back into talking about Vicky Lynn McCoy because she is, uh, quote, the glue of of this group. Now, you know, they, they just bring this up every once in a while to give Vicky Lynn some sort of credibility, I guess. But I, I'm really losing it with this, this idea that she is responsible for keeping everybody in line or making sure that everybody has the championships and she's responsible for it. The Fabulous Four are all being champions. Uh, this is untrue even within their own universe. Isn't it? They can say it one week and then they'll completely do something to disprove that within minutes, if not seconds at some point. 
So I don't know what they're doing with this whole thing. I mean, this this is all proven to be untrue, and it proved to be untrue in this episode. Candy Crush has a title match without going through Vicky Lynn or being approved by Lana Starr. That was the other stipulation. No one gets a title match unless I approve it. And that was completely tossed out here. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, let's go to the first match. The first match is Chainsaw with Angelica Dante versus Tiki Chamorro. Uh, one of the things that I wrote down in my notes here is, uh, and this has nothing to do with the match, but what is with all the close-ups on these over-animated fans? I mean, yes, it's good to have some some B-roll of fan crowd shots, but it's like they get their cameras on the most overacting fans that they could possibly get. What is with that? Get them cameras off of them. That's that's so distracting. All uh, right, uh, yeah, that was a side note. But anyway, tomorrow hasn't been on TV in about seven weeks. I had pretty much forgotten about her, honestly. I, you know, once she was beaten. And whatever match the last match was, I, I just forgot that she existed. And, and this looked, it didn't look terrible because with Chainsaw, you can get away with certain things like that. She's kind of like G.I. Jane in my my view, in that Chainsaw does not have to be absolutely smooth. She does not need to be a polished wrestler because of how she is. Chainsaw does have, she just has to be chainsaw. She just has to be this wild, nearly uncontrollable beast in the ring. So the fact that she is not smooth and not polished in, in her case works for her. It works for G.I. Jane a little bit too. I mean, now Jane is going to have to probably be a little bit more polished than chainsaw but you get the point. Because of their persona and because of who they are, it, it, it makes it a little easier for them to get around and get away with things like that. But uh, but this match was not some sort of <laughs> all-time classic or anything like that. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It was a squash. And you should have known it was a squash the second they announced Tiki Chamorro taking on Chainsaw. I'm not mad at this because Chainsaw is their resident monster right now, and she should be winning. What I do not know about Chainsaw is where this is going. It's, I mean, this has been about mm, two months of Chainsaw beating people and winning, uh, and we'll call this Chainsaw's second run because she already has been defeated. And I know oftentimes I talk about the things that Wild does wrong, and sometimes I, you know, I, I fail to mention the things that they do right. Chainsaw is one of the things that they did right, because even with the loss that they had, a change of manager, a change of look, a, a new streak going, and it somewhat made you forget that she was ever beaten in the first place. Now, I don't think that is a big deal at this point that she's been beaten because the angle or the story here is that, you know, Angelica Dante has now got the reins of Chainsaw. That, so we now can change the narrative of her like, hey, underneath, uh, while she was partnered with the, the dark side, she lost. But with her sister giving the commands and, and you know, 
telling her what to do and how to do it, she can now win. It, it is it's a it's a turn of fortune for her, and I and I'm fine with that. I I don't want to say I wish Tiki should have could have come back into a, a winning situation. Actually, I do wish she came back into a winning situation, but you know, I, she's Tiki tomorrow, and she she's probably not going to lose a lot from having this loss from Chainsaw. So anyway, uh, it, it is very uh, meticulous. You know, it's, it's a very methodical match. Uh, not very fast. Uh, doesn't look great all the time, but you know, again, I am not going to fault. Either one of them, Chainsaw is within her wheelhouse. This is what she needs to be doing. Uh, Dante, I love. I, I love, the, I don't know if she came up with all this on the outside, but I love that she uses the apron with the faces on it as a means to instruct her, her sister. She pinches the nose on the face, then Chainsaw pinches the nose of her opponent. She fish hooks the, the face on the, on the apron, and then she... Chainsaw fix hooks her opponent. I I do love that combination that they they have going on there. It is is it's kind of fun that they that they have that. Um, yeah. So Dante does not do a lot. She doesn't she doesn't get on the microphone and speak on her behalf and all that stuff like that. Even though she should, I hope that that changes. But her ringside demeanor, I think, is very good. Uh, there was a point in time that while managers were just terrible all of them you know and i hate to say that but all of them at one point were just awful they would stand out there and just stand uh within the last couple of months they've all been very very active very interactive they it's like they've studied and you know are they perfect managers no but they're getting better and i like the fact that they that the effort is there that means a lot they at least put in the effort um, Chainsaw more or less is dominating this match. She does a bunch of things to it. She fish hooks her mouth. She rakes her eyes. She squeezes her head, stands on her hair. I mean, so it, it is everything that I just told you. This is a squash match by all definition. Uh, and this is nothing for, for Tiki to feel ashamed about or, or sad or whatnot. She, she she did what what was necessary, and she has good facial expressions when when dealing with Chainsaw. That's another thing I want to say about Tiki. She she expresses the pain and the the anguish very well. It could be a little overdone at times. It could be you know a little cartoonish and over the top. But but again, I don't think that that's a, a fault. I think that Tiki, you know, for for who she is and where she is in the company, she does very well. I would like to see her get, you know, that that big win at some point in time, but that's you know that's down the line. We'll we'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. Maybe she can get a partner and, and win the tag team championships. Who knows? I mean, but the point being is that she and Chainsaw both did with her. The match ends with Chainsaw hoisting Tiki up from the mat with her double choke. Now, it's not a double choke slam. She just kind of has her up by, by the goozle, by the neck, and just throws her down before the referee counts five. 
Tiki's out, and the referee's checking like, hey, you okay? You know, <laughs> waving his hand in front of the face and whatnot, and this pretty much sets her up for the 747. I'm just going to call it that because that's how I'm used to calling it. It's a big splash from Chainsaw. And one, two, three, she wins. Now, the match ends in Chainsaw's favor. That's how it should be. And she also goes the extra mile of trying to re-attack Tiki tomorrow, which I didn't have a problem with that either. It fits her, her personality. But then come the Tonga twins, Chaos and Kona, and they come to save the day, so to speak, from uh, Chainsaw having her way with, with tomorrow. Uh, but I also like the fact that she didn't really she, – she backed away, but she didn't really back away out of, like, fear. She didn't just – Run like, oh my god, you know, she, she still kind of stood there with, with a, a smile on her face and she was ready. But you know, she does the smart heel thing and we back off, and, and that's that's a good point. You even as a heel, even as a badass heel, you got to know the points that you let me back away here. Uh, so you got the, the twins, they say cheeky, and they do a what I just said at the beginning of this thing, they gave you a generic go-nowhere promo. Don't mess with the Island Dynasty. And at this point, the Island Dynasty is down by one member because we haven't seen Leah McCoa, and I'm not even sure she's coming back. Uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out over time. But, this, but that promo at the end, it is not going anywhere. And I have lost all reason to want to see the Tonga Twins win these tag team championships. This is it is going on way too long. At this point, just anybody, <laughs> any of any team, and maybe they'll reignite my desire to see them win the championships. But it's it's like we we they put up a good match against Miami Sweet Heat, and it seems. Nice to have them, you know, as in a few, but this doesn't go anywhere. They didn't talk about them. They, you know, is is only brought up like once in a month and a half. It goes too long without them doing anything to address it or keep it in my memory. It's just a random set of stuff that just happens. It just matches the field hour, as I said already. Uh, the next segment. It's a video package, and it's talking about Lana Star and the Fabulous Four, and it's it's everything that I said at the beginning. Uh, they're talking about the, the history. They're talking about her having championships. They're talking about Lana, you know, Lana Star. I pick who goes in, and you know that the, the same rehash stuff over and over and over again. I like the Fabulous Four. I think they're a good faction within WoW, but it is. Really, really, really getting repetitive. It is getting crazy repetitive with this. They have got to move on. They've got to do something else. I mean, this, this is just nonsense. I get it. I understand. But if you're going to have to repeat that, at least include some other material along with it. Have her get on the microphone and say something. Yeah, she can include that. Yeah, she can say Vicky Lynn's the glue and blah, blah, blah. But if you're going to do that, at, you know, at least go out your way to try to make Vicky Lynn look like the glue. Give her the matches that supposed to be the ones that stand in front of whoever. But none of those things happen. And, it, and it's just one big nonstop circle of nothing. 
So uh, we continue on. And keep in mind, Candy Crush has a, a match against Penelope Pink for the championship this episode. So, you know, where where was Vicky Lynn for that? Uh, next match slash segment is Sylvia Sanchez with Sophia Lopez and her tag partner Vivian Rivera taking on Keita Rush. Um, I know I brought this up before talking about Lopez and I like Sophia I really do but this is a point where I think they need to make the decision and stick with it is, is she going to be a heel or is she going to be a babyface? largely she is presented as a heel when she walks out to ringside she presents herself as a babyface. she's she's an attractive woman she's smiling she dresses well got a nice got a beautiful smile she's shaking hands with kids while she's coming to ringside and she does the introductions for her her persons you know largely that is such a mixed signal like she comes out doing all these things, and those kids have no reason to boo her. They have absolutely no reason to boo her. I, but I don't know what this is going. This has been going on for so long. I was like, okay, I thought they were going to do something with with the idea that she's being disingenuous to her to the fans to her opponents. But this isn't going anywhere. They haven't even addressed it. It is the same thing as what I say with the with the uh, Fabulous Four promos. It's just something that they do on TV that doesn't go anywhere, and it's just it means nothing. And she has improved by leaps and bounds as a manager, but this is pointless. It, it, you're already giving mixed signals walking out, and, it, and it's not just mixed signals to the live audience. It's mixed signals on TV. Why are you shaking hands with these kids? If you're going to be a heel, if you're going to be a heel, be a heel and just stick with that. Uh, it, it, it is is it's, it's terrible mixed signals. That, that's that's all there is to it. While commentating team is trying to sell Keita Rush as this, the fastest athlete, you know, and while I'm not sure what that means or where they where they're going with that, but um. It's, I, I don't. I don't even know how you sell that. Like, I'm not sure what her speed. Yes, we know she ran track, and I know that they have to try to work in the name and the and the and the percent persona to what we're talking about on TV. But I don't know where that fits into the pro wrestling environment. In any case, that said, Keita Rush is doing much better in the ring. Uh, she has gotten a lot smoother in the ring than when she was there, say, two years ago, uh, which does give me the hope that she, you know, there is advancement there. I still, you know, I, I, I beat this horse. I know it's, I know it's on the ground. I know it's not breathing. I know it's dead, but I still beat it <laughs> because it's the point to be made. I still think that she would benefit from taking some independent bookings and going to work someplace else and getting getting the ring with other ladies who carry a different style. And, you know, so she can continue her path of improvement. Sanchez looks good. She, she, she looks good in, in how she works, in how she pins. 
She's she's very uh, meticulous in her, in her execution. That that's what I'm looking for. I mean, she she looks like she's at least making the effort to, to try to present the best match that she can give. I, I was a little surprised that they put her in the match singularly. Not disappointed because at least here, at least here, opposed to what we got last week with Miami Sweet Heat. I mean, not Miami Sweet, but Spring Break 24-7. At least what we got here is that A, Las Bandidas have been presented as a tag team prior to them starting to separate. And B, not just her manager's out there, manager is out there listening and watching her, but her tag team partner is out there listening and watching. They are paying attention to what their friend and colleague is doing, which is what it should be, at least in my view. So I'm not mad at this at all. Not in the least. Uh, we can press this forward, I mean, to see what the, the, the end result of the match was. And I can tell you now, <clears throat> Keita rushed it. She came up short, unfortunately for her. I, I still like her. And I want to see her do well. But I will say this much. She gave probably a more competitive match than what I'm used to seeing Keita Rush do in the past. She actually put up a put up a good fight. And one thing that she's gotten good at doing is that springboard high cross body. I I enjoy her with, with doing that and trying to, you know, illustrate a few more moves in her repertoire. But the match finished with Sanchez. I don't know how I want to call this because it's like a, a rock in the cradle move. She she grabs Keteresh off the mat, hooks her legs and hooks her arms and, and starts swinging her in between her legs where Rush has no ability to fight back because she can't get her legs free and she can't get her arms free. Eventually, her feet do slip through, which gets her loose, but it gets her loose directly into a, a, a not really a choke, uh, we'll say a crossface. And then at the end of that crossface, when she gets rushed down, she applies the full crossface where she locks out the arm with her legs and she crossfaces the face. Uh, Sanchez essentially wins clean here. I, I, there's, there's not really much else to say. She, she pretty much beat a clean. The heel won. Without doing a lot. Yeah, did she have a, her manager and her partner out there? Yes, but there was not a lot of stuff that was going on here. And she got through. Uh, and it was a decent match. Like I said, I, I'm not happy about the mixed signals that go on there, but it was a decent match. And not not something I would avoid. I still haven't seen the match here that I'm like, yeah, you got to go watch it. But not not something I would avoid. I think you'll be okay with it. it just, there's nothing behind this. There's, this is also a cold match. It doesn't forward Las Bandidas as a tag team. Doesn't forward Keita Rush because she lost, and she, and there's no angle in it. Uh, just the same way as Chainsaw is winning, but there there hasn't been any defined 
angle or storyline behind her victories. She's just winning. It's just it's I'm I'm not sure where either of those things are going. Uh the next segment is the recap of the terrible story of the heavy metal sisters almost breaking up, which we never saw. <laughs> it's another one of these angles and storylines that WoW is only capable of just telling you about in hindsight. And maybe a few clips of something. So they show them walking into the arena having a few words with each other but i mean really is it so hard to believe that people can have a disagreement within a group or not agree with how the group is going or what we should be doing as a team is it so hard to believe that it's like well when they do these angles that are supposed to be so uh, so detrimental to somebody's character or so so moving that they need a match or you know so heinous when they do these things i never see anything that comes off as heinous they do the absolute bare minimum to try to make something look presentable when when americana said that her they heavy metal sister stepped on her son's tablet we never saw that and I can only imagine, like, it, it didn't take much to get a, a broken tablet off of eBay or, or a cheap one from Walmart or something and, and have somebody step on this thing and break it. And, you know, just just to have the look. Or had the heavy metal sisters shoving each other around and Mesmer having to get in between them or something like that. None of these things take place. It's just, oh, yeah, they, they had arguments and now everything's all good again. I I hate that they cannot deliver the story. And this story was stupid. It's a, it, I, I try not to bring that up often, but yeah, this this is not good. Especially when it went nowhere. I mean, they, they brought it up for all of like a week or two, and then it was like, all's forgiven. No problems here. We're moving on. So this is just a lead-in. I mean, that's the only purpose that this segment serves is a lead-in to the following match, which would be Fury with Razor and Mesmer taking on Jennifer Gen Z Flores. This is a, a pretty standard match. And before I go into the match, as I was talking about managers and the improvement that they've had, there's one that's listed as a manager that I am absolutely sorry, but I do not understand why she's still there. I I am positive that she is a sweet young lady. And I'm sure that she loves WoW and every opportunity that WoW has given her, and she probably really enjoys being on TV. But Mesmera does nothing. She doesn't speak. She doesn't cut any promo. She doesn't rustle. And she barely does anything as a manager. Anything that she does as a manager, Razor does first. So it's almost like pointless to have her there. I do not understand why Mesmera is there. It, it is it's just a, a slot that means nothing. I mean... They sold the Heavy Metal Sisters like they were some sort of six-person team or six-woman team or three-person team, I should say. And they just aren't. You know, the, the people that did the work within that group were Fury and Razor. And that's pretty much where that started and stopped. 
every time they've even remotely advertised Mesmer as doing anything, they have completely ignored it and just moved on without showing her in a single match. Any match that she's been a part of has been a multi-person match. So I come back to this again. I do not understand it. I don't understand it. Not saying that she's, you know, hopeless, but I I don't get it. I don't get why they just don't, hey, look, we need to just take you off TV and train you or send you somewhere and you come back when when you're good. That this, this, it doesn't do anything. Like, in the course of this match, what I just said was that she doesn't do anything that Razor doesn't do first. She doesn't bump well. I mean, she took a shot from, from Jennifer and, and basically just like, let me drop to my knees and then carefully put myself down. She, she doesn't bump good. She's not a good speaker and she's not a good wrestler. What else is left? If you're paying this person, you got to get what? What are you getting on your your return on your investment here? That's what it's coming down to. What what is justifying the payment beyond the fact that she probably lives in Los Angeles and she's it's easy for her to get there? That much I believe. She probably does not require a plane ticket the same way that Fury does because she's in Atlanta. But you know, she doesn't require the lodging and the travel and all that stuff. So she's probably inexpensive if if nothing else, but still, that's probably like three hundred bucks a day that y'all could save to do other stuff. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Anyway, the match is the match is the match. It's, it's another squash. It doesn't it doesn't move anything forward. It's it's really very little point behind this other than a showcase for Fury. So there's a point in the match where Mesmer and, and Razor hold Jennifer Flores in the corner. She's able to shake them off, <clears throat> or at least they they leave her alone just long enough for, um, and oh man, are those punches that, that Mesmer tossing there, they're, they're like punches that a five-year-old would throw. They're terrible. Terrible punches. And I, and I'm, I'm hoping that somebody goes online and looks at this. Just, just go to the match where Flores is in the corner in the turnbuckles, is following Fury giving her a knee and walking the referee out. And then you see Razor and and Mesmer get up on the the apron. Razor's holding her hair. Mesmer's tossing these childlike punches at her. And then that's when Jennifer fights him off. But again, I was like, those those punches are so ridiculously bad. I, I can't even believe that she would, I wouldn't even want to be seen on TV doing that. Anyway. So Flores shakes him off. She goes up to the top rope. She's distracted. Fury comes over there and stops her. Gets up to the top rope with her, hooks her in for a superplex that drops Flores. Smack dab in the middle of the ring. And it, it has some good impact to it. it. I don't know if Flores just added a little extra oomph to the bounce. But she, t- she took the impact and had a little bounce, you know, for it out of the center. And this is where uh, she gets a, a little bit of a flurry. But ultimately, Fury wins. Double hooks Flores, hooks her up into her her finish. Boom, drops her. One, two, three. That's it. 
Uh, much like I said with with Chainsaw earlier, it, this was a squash match. It was just there to forward Fury and, and provide another victory. Um, after the match, they tried to jump um, Flores. And, of course, you know, they, they she's uh, saved, I should say. It's kind of like the same thing that we got in the first one. So somebody wins, they got to just beat her up just for the sake of beating her up. So, you know, it's, that that is where we are with that. The, the the heavy metal sisters beat up Flores and toss her out of the ring. I shouldn't. I, I know I said saved. I shouldn't even say that. But yeah, they beat her up and just put her out of the ring. Yay, the heavy metal sisters, or, or yay for Fury. She wins the match. Uh, they advertise a six woman match for next week for Coach Campanelli, Randy Rara, and Ariel Scott, the new team spirit. Taking on Exile with Ice Cold, um, that does have some sort of, of angle behind it, so that was good. But we'll wait till the following week to see that. They recap Cap Candy Crush talking to Princess Ozzy just because they overdo these recaps. They talk about things that are not even remotely relative to what's going on right now. They, they recap months and months of stuff just to recap months and months of stuff. It, it is just... For no reason. Uh, then this goes into an over-dramatized title match. Uh, uh, Crush is sitting there doing an interview, and Dave McClain walks in, and he gives her a championship match. And it, and he starts crying because he gives her the championship match. And then she starts crying because she's gifted the championship match, and he gives a big hug. Now, I don't know whether or not this was genuine emotion or not. I don't know. What I will say is that how it came off is ridiculously overacted and overdramatized. That's how it came off. Now, again, I don't know whether that was legit or not. I don't know whether he was legitimately moved. I don't. I can't see why, but I can't read his mind either. Um. But the the scene is he's given the match and he's moved and she's moved and she thanks him for the championship opportunity and yada, yada, yada. So my question there was, where was Lana, where was the Lana Star stipulation in this? Where did Lana Star get the chance to like, hey, no, she cannot, we're not giving her a shot. I don't want her to have a shot. Where was the match that she had to go through Vicky Lynn McCoy in order to get this? Where was any of that? Is another case of while saying something on TV and then completely disregarding it within minutes. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been praising the people that edit the show. I think they do a fine job, but and maybe it's not up to them. Maybe, maybe it's McLean saying, "Ah, nobody will notice." I, who knows? But whoever's editing this show, you got to pull some of this stuff out if it's going to be completely contradicted. Within the same hour that this show is taking place, you got to remove some of that. That shouldn't be in there. You can't say at the beginning of it how much the glue Vicky Lynn is and everybody's got to go through me and Lana Starr picks. Nobody gets a championship match unless I say so. And then turn around and show a full segment with David McClain handing a championship match 
to Candy Crush who didn't compete for anything to get it. So what they wanted you to get out of this scene was emotion. They wanted they wanted to have an emotional setup for her getting getting a championship opportunity, and by and large, that should work. The problem here, at least as it relates for me, is that there was absolutely no build to this. There was no build to this whatsoever. It's just I show up at a room one day and hey, you're getting a title shot, you get Penelope Pink, and he's, he cracks up and starts crying. And then she starts crying. And again, I don't know if this is legitimate or not. I don't know if this was, you know, uh something that was moving for them. But here's how, you know, and I'm gonna just pitch this really quickly. Because again, th- this felt very much out of the blue, and it completely contradicted everything that they've said on their own show. So here's my pitch. If I was not going to change a single thing in this episode, or let me rephrase that. If I wasn't going to change the matches that were lined up in this episode, and I was trying to get across the fact that Candy Crush is getting a championship match, the first thing I need to do is I need to start off in segment one with Lana Starr complaining about it. Or that I heard through the grapevine that you were going to give somebody a match. You know nobody can get a match unless I say so first. I'm Lana Stars, Lana Star Show, blah, 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 blah. Have Vicky Lynn at her side, standing there. As they barge into David McLean's office. This is where he can lay down the laws. Hey, look, I know that's what you say, but and it's fine that you say it on TV. It's fine that you believe it. But the paychecks that are sent out here are signed by Jeannie Buss. And I make the decisions on who gets the matches and whatnot. Now, what I can do is I can give you the opportunity to pick your own opponent from the number one contenders that I have that I've been going through on my list. And you can name, I'll say, four of them. Name, name four or five. These are the number one contenders, and I am going to write their names on this sheet, these sheets of paper, and I'm going to flip them over and mix it up. You pick which one you want. She can complain. She can argue. She can look. That this is not gonna make it any. Either you can do it, or I can do it for you. Take your pick. Vicky Lincoln can pull it to the side, whisper in there. Just, just go ahead and do it. We got it under control. Blah 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 blah. All right. So now she looks at it. She looks at it. She looks at it. Give me that one. Picks it. He pulls it over. Flips it up. You got Candy Crush. Go prepare. Tell, tell your champion to prepare for a match. She's gonna get it later on. All right, so now that could be listed as hap- having happened before the show, hours ahead, or whatever the case may be. So now you go into the show, and then you can go into your match. You can have Chainsaw and Dante and Chica tomorrow, but every segment leading out of that should be building towards that main event. Now you have Crush, and you have somebody else, not Dave McClain, deliver the information. Hey, you know, we heard that you, you got a shot tonight. Then she could do the same thing that she was just doing. It's like I wasn't prepared for that. I, you know, I, I know that I signed up to be a wrestler, and I've been had the opportunity to wrestle, and I've been learning. But I'm, I'm just a boxer. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not fully integrated into this world yet. I, I don't know if I deserve this shot. You have the heels come out. No, you don't. You don't deserve this shot. And when you get in the ring with me tonight, I'm gonna, you know, make sure that the world knows you don't deserve the shot. Blah 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 blah. Standard heel stuff. You end on Candy Crush talking to them after the heels leave. She talks to the to the audience, to the microphone, to the camera. 
I may not deserve this shot, but you know what? I'm going to give it everything I got. And if whatever's on my side tonight, I'll walk out as the wild champion of the world. Yay. So, you know, you, you then the mandate at that point is that you start to build throughout the entirety of the show towards this match. You can recap some of the wins and losses that Candy Crush had. You can recap some of the wins and losses that Penelope Pink had. Then you go to Penelope Pink and you you have her complain. Well, I thought that they had to go through Vicky Lynn first. Why am I having to do this match? Dave McClain did. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. You know, and he can put out the mandate. And Vicky Lynn is not allowed to be at ringside. Now you can still get around that and do the same thing that they did. It's like she comes out to ring side but she deviates and goes towards the commentating booth i'm not at ringside i'm at the commentating booth i'm just here to watch line of stars all you need and then you have that but you build towards that that's at least three segments within the course of the hour to get you to that main event rather than just hey you got a match and here you go and i'm crying about it uh, this this was a match with with again no rhyme reason or stip you know stipulations. She didn't have to earn it. She didn't have a number one contendership. She didn't have to go through Vicky Lynn, nor did she get picked by uh, Lana Star. So less of doing things that contradict the stuff that you're trying to establish as your rules and laws of the land. I. The way I had it, yes, Lana Starr wouldn't have picked, but it would have been addressed along with it. No, she wouldn't have had to go through Vicky Lynn McCord, but it would have been addressed along with it. So that would have been the thing that, that was there. But it, this was, uh, maybe other people might feel differently. I know WoW's hardcore fan base, they can do no wrong. Everything is, I love it, and and she deserves it, and I can't wait. You'll make a great champion. You're so beautiful. It's, it's pretty much the same comments that you would read at any given time on why you're beautiful you're beautiful you're beautiful uh, it really makes me question some of the people that are watching uh okay but yeah that that segment was really overdone but what they did do right here if they wanted to get past the idea that vicky lynn mccoy was going to interfere is that when she comes out with lana star and penelope pink she seats herself right at the commentator booth she is good on the microphone. Vicky Lynn McCoy is good on the mic. I like that she gets the opportunity to speak, even in segments like this. I mean, the more often that she gets the chance to do stuff like this, the better she will be. Now, I hope they take advantage of it. I hope they actually do things that make her come across like the glue that they try to make her out to be. Instead of just beating random people, be the person that's standing in front of the person that is trying to get the title. That that's the thing. She hasn't she hasn't stopped anybody yet. And I am still, I am still completely convinced that Wow hands these signs out every show. All these signs look exactly the same. They're all the same size and they all got the same handwriting. Like they they've got to just be handing these things out, like, hey, hold this up on TV. Because it doesn't look like anybody put any sort of effort into these signs whatsoever. It's, the, it's like a five-year-old made it but, it, but that five-year-old made it for everybody in the building. So, anyhow, uh, we go into the main event. 
And I want to say, because I, I know Crush is new to this. I know that she, first off, she shouldn't even be wrestling with the name Candy Crush. Much like G.I. Jane probably shouldn't be wrestling with G.I. Jane. It, they just feel like they're going to be lawsuits waiting to happen. And, and within the course of a season or two, they'll be changing their names. Um, but this is uh, this is good for Crush. I, I, I have grown into liking her because of this. Even though, even though there are times where she still comes off as completely green, she at least puts in the effort. That much I have to give her. She she puts she puts forth the effort. When I look at her, and I compare her to her colleague, uh, and I I just use Americana. There's a a stark difference between the two in that Americana just has not developed a, the means to to relate her emotion in front of the camera. Whereas at least Penelope Pink, I mean not Penelope Pink, but Candy Crush at least tries. She she tries and she puts the effort to relate visually how she's feeling. Uh, there is no big fight feel here. That is another. Uh, that's another situation caused by this just being a random match with no build to it. Like that, there, there's nothing here that makes you feel like, oh, this is a match that has to be seen. They advertise the match like, and hey, next week, folks, is going to be Candy Crush taking on Penelope Pink for the wild. Chase. You know, they they do that. But it's almost entirely determined on your love for either Penelope Pink retaining or, or Candy Crush gaining. There's no angle. There was no series of interviews between the two. There was no build to the main event during the course of the show. It was This is just a match. It is just a match, albeit for a championship, but it's just a match. Now, on his own, Penelope Pink, Marina Tucker, and uh, Candy Crush did have a decent match. Wasn't a great one, but it was but it was good. Because Tucker, or I should say Penelope Pink, knows what she's doing. And I think Crush is at a point where she is willing to do what is necessary to try to be as believable as she can. Um. Yeah, there were a couple of spots where it wasn't necessarily as smooth as it could have been, but I they they did fine here. I I I, I go back to Crush being another case of you know the effort is there, and the effort does account for a lot. I think uh, they they try to play this you know the boxer deal up. Uh. It's fine. I mean, she's wrestled long enough to where I think she should have some sort of transition out of that by now. But it's still fine that she, you know, kind of relies on the on the boxer thing. <clears throat> well, we can move forward towards the end because, like I said, the the match, fine match, very uh, uh, much like the the match I said at the beginning is very methodical. It's not not a fast paced thing. It, they uh, pretty much take their time with doing this. And even Lana Starr does deliver 
as a manager. Later on the match, she interferes. She grabs the legs. And I, I said before with the match, I am glad that she has found her path as a manager. She's comfortable on the microphone. She intervenes. She doesn't stand there like a block of wood. She actually does stuff to try and help. Uh, Candy Crush got up on the second rope to try to deliver, assumably, her her knockout punch. Lana Star stopped her by yanking the foot, which gives uh, Pink the chance, to opp- the opportunity to you know take advantage. She hoists Candy Crush up on her shoulders. Crush is able to fight free. Crush hoists uh, Pink up on her shoulders. Uh, then Pink is able to get free. Uh, and I forget what they were saying that Crush was going for, pro- probably the TKO. But once Pink is able to get free of her, she goes for her finish and basically just postures off right there. It's like a standing flip over reverse blockbuster or pretty in pink or whatever the hell they call it. So there you have it. Pink wins and she, she puts Candy Crush down and that is another challenger up and another challenger defeated by Penelope Pink. I would really, really, really like to hear Penelope Pink do some sort of promo or cut cut some sort of interview that led into whatever program she's going to be doing next because there, there's a lot of just empty space with a lot of these pert personas here that they, they don't really do all that much they don't say anything they don't you know is is just it's a series of matches and you know the the, the matches are fine but they do need something else behind it they need some sort of incentive to keep you watching as it is right now especially as they've gone into this next set of tapings or the season that they're in all of this feels very mediocre it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere it's just it's just match after match after match after match, and we don't, you know, and those, that's what you do watch a wrestling show for, but there's got to be some kind of blend here. There's got to be <clears throat> something that we identify with one one person or the next, and they don't all need to look like they're damn movies. You don't have to have everybody do something in some cinematic background. That takes too much time. It takes too much effort. It takes where they clearly are operating off of a budget and they they don't have a lot of time on their side. They are a, I've said this before, a company that's too big to be small and too small to be big. They have got to change some of what they're doing. And one of those things I suggest is all these, the cinematic shots and all that, they need to be able to shoot a little bit more run and gun. Now, it needs to be professional running gun, but they need to be they need to shoot a little bit more running gun. And they're setting these these things up and trying to get the angles and then trying to, you know, let, let's set up camera two, let's reset it, let's set the lights. You don't need to do all of that. They need to just get as much coverage and interviews as they can. But, you know, what do I know? Anyhow. Uh that was the entirety of the show. Like this, this was a probably a C show for me. It was average. 
uh, particularly average for WoW. It doesn't didn't really do a lot beyond that. It was fine with certain aspects. I, I love seeing uh, Keita Rush uh, get better. Even in a losing effort with Sanchez, I thought that, that probably was the one of the better matches on the show. Uh, Chainsaw and Chamorro did not have to be a good match because it was all about making Chainsaw and, and or helping move her persona for it. And that, that helped. Uh, Fury and Jennifer Flores squash match, another one. You know, nothing really happening there. And then you got the, the one match that has some sort of uh, drive behind it, Candy Crush and Penelope Pink. And even then, that, that drive is very low. Because there was there was no build to this from the previous week other than we advertising the main event. And there was no build for this throughout the match. I mean throughout the show. It was it was just I, I'm really hesitant to say overacting because I you know, I, I'm trying to be fair and I don't know whether Dave McClain was attempting <laughs> to cry. <laughs> I don't know if he was attempting to cry or whether he was genuinely crying. But yeah, that, that wasn't enough. It, it wasn't enough. I'm sorry. It just it just was not. It, having him pop into the room, it'd have been different if throughout the weeks Candy Crush had said, and one day I'm gonna be the champion. Oh, I'm fighting for the championship. If she had constantly said that over the course of weeks, you know, or a few episodes didn't have to you know it ain't got to be like it's got to be six months worth you saying it but if she had just said her intention and my goal is to i know i'm a boxer but i'm planning on being a wild champion one of these days and i will make my dream come true if that was the the crust of the crux of her drive if that was something that she had said before if she had said against all odds i mean even if while she was fighting the monsters way back a couple several weeks months ago you know i'm 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 knowing fight with these monsters and i'm getting my gloves back but i have you know my goals here in a while that they've sidelined me but they will not stop me i will get to be the wild champion one day if we as the viewing audience knew that candy crush goal was to be the wild champion eventually this would have hit a little different it would have meant a little more it would have justified the crime between both david mcclain and candy crush it would have justified both of those but since they did not and we didn't see that it was just uh, a scene of two people crying in the vacuum that's that all that was. It, it it really didn't have much after that or before. It. So overall, this is a C show. Not great, but not terrible. It just does not move anything forward. And, and it comes back down to those wild tapings. Them shooting all of this stuff months in advance. And then trying to string it together later. You know, to try to make it make sense. And that's pretty much why we are in the situation that we're in. So that's that, folks. Well, I appreciate you staying in and tuning in and listening to me as we go through the review of WoW and their programming. Uh, it is getting rough to slog through some of these. I mean, it, 
it's like the further along they go they keep dropping whatever angles and stories and when they do have an angle or a story it's like it doesn't take place except for three or four weeks apart they got to do better on the on the pacing of this the pacing of these these things are, are just atrocious I mean, I, I pretty much, if I didn't take notes, and I, and I got like reams of notes for a while, and I don't throw any of them away. If I didn't take notes for this show to keep up with who did what and where and what match took place on what episode, I would have completely forgotten about some of these people and what they were doing and what they were involved in. That's what WoW does. They, they, are, they are bad with that. And it's only going to get worse. I know they're not up against direct competition with AEW Collision. But the last thing that you want your fans to start seeing is how another wrestling show works. Because if they do, they may begin to start questioning. Except Again, except for those hardcore fans that's in that's in the wild. Those people are not going anywhere. They're, they're going to stay tuned, probably for all the wrong reasons. But they're going to stay tuned. So there we go, folks. That's going to do it. That That is that. Thank you for tuning in again. I appreciate it. If you are so kind, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That is uh, on our various channels. If you're looking at this on YouTube, please do subscribe. If you're listening to this elsewhere, subscribe to that platform too. Or follow it so you can know when our episodes are up and available. So you do not have to go and pop in and cheek. All you got to do is just hit the, hit the click follow it it'll pop up on your phone let you know when a new one is released all the time so with that folks i am going to end this by saying that this is mr green saying that this is mr green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round take care everybody thank you for listening to the wpn's rights and wrongs of pro wrestling if you have questions or comments please contact us via our facebook or our youtube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.